minimalism um, and doing less and keeping the things that matter is transformative. It's transformative because of the visual fatigue that you get when you accumulate a bunch of crap and you just feel like you're drowning in stuff. When you when you declutter your house, it's such a big project that when you're done, you're like, what's next? What, what Like now I know what matters to me in my house, so what's next? How do I know what matters to me in my life, right? Hello everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Say Your Thing podcast. New environment, as you can tell. Um, I have decided to return to the country. Um, I was in Texas for about two weeks, and the weather was amazing, and it was beautiful, and I was like, oh, I should probably, you know, just stay in Texas because, you know, weather ranging from 15 to 20 degrees every day, no snow, no ice. But alas, I am back and I have decided to return to the great north of Canada, which I will always love no matter what. And it just so happens that today is a beautiful day. Um, I'm a huge, huge sunlight person. I feel like every time that it's a sunny day, it doesn't matter what's going on. I just end up having a great day because I just love the sun. And I don't even know if you can hear, but there's just like birds kind of just singing in the background or doing whatever they're doing. And um, it's actually, it's it's pretty nice. A new environment, uh, mainly because I have not had time to remove all my Christmas decorations in my house. So my house kind of looks like um, Santa Claus and Texas had like a wedding or something. I don't know what's going on. So you have like... Christmas decorations mixed with like Texas souvenirs and you know I just haven't had time to kind of like organize everything and like yesterday I got in and I was literally you know I had my laptop on my kitchen counter and I was writing emails and then I was like cooking at the same time and then like my suitcase was open because I was trying to get things out and it was just kind of like a disaster area and the only thing I really managed to to have time to kind of organized and clean was my bedroom. So here we are in my bedroom um, in Montreal. So yeah, I hope you guys uh, had a great week. Um, and yeah, I am doing another episode of the Sacred Thing podcast. And this one um, is one that I hold very dear to my heart because I truly believe that it is something that has changed my life. And I hope that it could do the same for you. And if it has already, let me know. If it hasn't already and you want to try it out, let me know. Uh, but it really, um, it's had a drastic impact on basically every single thing in my life. And um, I, it's one of the things that I am so, so passionate about talking, uh, talking about. And um, I could literally talk about it for hours. I'm pretty sure at some point people are like, oh yeah, Christina, she's the minimalist girl. She's the one who's just going to talk about minimalism. Um, and I think that minimalism goes so far beyond um, just material objects, um, things that you have, it can really apply to every single part of your life. And I'm going to go through kind of how I got into minimalism, uh, the kind of steps that I took to become a minimalist and how it's, it's actually not something that you permanently become. It's like, you're just constantly growing into the minimalist mindset. There is no final destination. Minimalism is really what you make it. Um, but it's just the whole principle of less is more has changed my entire life. So how did I start minimalism? Well, I think that if we look at the way that I've accumulated objects in my lifetime, 
When I was a kid, uh, as you all know at this point, I was like, you know, a huge creative. I'm still a creative now, but being a creative, you know, as a kid, as someone in high school, you just accumulate a lot of stuff, you know, like paint bottles and pencils and scrapbooking materials and all that kind of stuff, just accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. And You know, as a kid, too, it's like, you know, things like the holidays, things like birthdays. You just can't wait to get your gifts. And it's like my gifts were always kind of related to creative stuff. Like either they were like toys or they were just things that like I could draw and paint and, you know, like anything digital, all sorts of stuff like that. And you just accumulate a lot, a lot of crap like you really do. Um, And the thing is, is about material objects is that throughout time, your passions change and your interests change and your social circle changes. You go through these life phases, right? And we have this weird idea that we just keep everything from all of these life phases. But minimalism is basically one of the principles of minimalism is to kind of like focus on the now and focus on the things that make you happy now, the things that you use now, the things that make you happy now. And a lot of the time we end up holding on to things just because, oh, this person gave it to us or like, oh, back in the day I was super interested in this and it kind of reminds me of a time where I was happier. And But it, it just creates a lot of baggage. It creates a lot of physical baggage that we carry around every single day. And basically how I got into minimalism is, so I told you guys a little bit about uh, this like rut that I was in in 2020, um, just you know, feeling like crap constantly. And um, I really had to kind of find new things to do, new hobbies, new passions, new interests. And like I mentioned, reading became something that I was like super passionate about, especially like self-development books, anything that had to do with like the growth mindset and all of that. And I had bought this book a long time ago and I never actually read it. And I decided to just one day pick it up. It was in my library and I just decided to pick it up and read it. And it is The Life-Changing Art of Tidying Up by Mary Kondo. Um, And I know that this is like a huge cliche because she's all over Netflix and she's basically doing her own thing and um, super famous. Like here, I mean, I bought this like, I think four years ago and At this point, it was already like a New York Times bestseller, 9 million copies sold. Um, But I had had bought it and I hadn't actually started, like I started maybe reading one chapter and but then I never really got into it. And then anyway, in 2020, uh, as I was going through this like shitty period of my life, I decided to just pick up the book and, you know, read it. And I think the first chapter to me was just kind of like how... The way she's explaining it is that your life can literally change by decluttering your physical belongings. And I was just kind of like, well, at this point, I'm just trying out a bunch of things. Like I said, I was in this period of like major self-development and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to try this out. And the whole principle behind this book is that with what she calls the cleaning marathon and the cleaning marathon is basically divided into five uh, steps. And I, so I read the book in its entirety. So I started off by doing that. And then I actually took the book back and was like, okay, this is step one, step two. And I did it like from A to Z. And I, I think that (laughs) I felt physically lighter. 
Um, and I felt so much better. And I also got into the practice of journaling as well a lot uh, during this time. And I remember the art, like the, the journal entry that I wrote the day that I was done. And just the way that I was writing, you could tell that I was just so much like it was almost like I had broken free of something. Um, and so anyway, I'll tell you a little bit how I did this cleaning marathon and how um, the minimalist mindset, the keeping things that only make you happy has kind of like transpired in my entire life. So um, the five steps of the cleaning marathon. So the first one is clothes and accessories. So that's anything from like your winter jackets to your jeans, to your socks, to your belts, to basically all of your clothes. And the reason it's the first step is because it's actually the easiest thing to declutter. It really is. Um, and so that would like, we have to take everything that we own in terms of, you know, clothes and accessories and just dump it in one pile and go through item by item. And you realize how much crap you have. <laughs> like you don't realize it until it's literally this huge pile of crap. Uh, that's just like on your bed or wherever you decide to put it. And you have to take every single item and you have to like hold it in your hands and kind of really ask yourself, is this creating joy in my life? Is this creating happiness in my life right now? Not in the past, not potentially in the future, but right now. And, you know, I, I looked at a lot of stuff and I'm like, no, this doesn't make me happy anymore. Like this doesn't spark joy. I mean, it did in the past and I used to like this thing, but it doesn't really anymore. And it's, I think the biggest, um, almost like learning lesson from the book that really helped me get rid of stuff is that you don't have to feel guilty for giving things away. And one of the ways that you don't feel guilty is that you do express gratitude for the fact that you had that item in the past and how much joy it's bringing you. It's brought you up until that moment and then giving it away with gratitude instead of just being like, taking that item and just throwing it out and being like, I, I'm just done with it. It's like, no, at some point this item did bring me joy, but now it no longer serves me and I'm happy to give it away so that its life cycle can continue to someone else or something else or, you know, contribute to the many cycles of life that we have here. Um, and so kind of just having this mindset of like giving stuff away with gratitude has been extremely helpful in my decluttering process. So step one, it was, um, clothes, accessories, shoes, all that, all that kind of stuff. Step two was books, which I had accumulated a ton. And this is kind of interesting because a lot of the time um, we get books and we're super passionate about the title and the, like the content, but we literally never read it <laughs> because again, it depends where we are in life. You know, the phases of life, like sometimes I'm in this huge self-development phase where I'm like, all I want to read is self-development books. And then I'm in this other phase where I'm like, I just want to read like thrillers and I just want to read fiction and I just want to, you know. And so we just accumulate a lot of books and then people will get us books and then our libraries are just filled with books that we just never read. And for me, at least, it had kind of generated this weird guilt that I was like, oh my God, Christina, like get your shit together, start reading, you know? It's like, I would start to read books that I actually didn't really want to read because I was like, well, they're there and I haven't read them yet, so I might as well just pick them up and read them. Um, and so in this second phase of the cleaning marathon, I think I got rid about of about 75% of my books, 
probably about 75% of my books. And what's really funny is that in this book, Mary Kondo actually says at the end of it, like, she's like, I am perfectly fine if you give this book away. In the sense that it's like, if this book is, is not sparking joy for you in this moment, then it's okay for you to give it away. Once you've done the cleaning marathon, you give it away. And one of the biggest um, lessons that I learned in this second phase is that I started going to the library. And I love the library because, again, like I said, I'm such a nerd. Um, and I just love li the library, the environment. I just feel like, you know, you're filled with this, like, almost like, building just filled with knowledge and information and it's free and it's accessible and it's kind of an amazing um invention actually is the library and I just started going to the library and then if I pick up a book and I start reading it and I'm just fed up and it's just no longer serving me then just bring it back or I have another book that I really want to read I pick it up I read it all if I'm not done I just renew it and then when I'm done I just give it back and it just doesn't accumulate stuff in my library of things that I don't want to read. So right now my library has, okay, so this obviously, it will spark joy, I think, for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I will never get rid of this book. I will gladly uh, borrow it to whoever wants to read it, um, but I will, I will never get rid of this book. But right now my library has, um, you know, this very old copy of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that I got when I was a kid that like, I was obsessed with reading that my sister was obsessed with reading and it's cracked up and it's broken, but it's, it's so emotionally important to me. Um, I have all of my Archie comics. I used to be a huge Archie comics fan and it sparks joy for me even in this moment to just run through those Archie comics and read. I have a lot of um, design books that I feel like have been very inspiring to me, like Swiss graphic design, which was um, a period of graphic design that I feel very inspired to. One, because I am Swiss, and two, because it was just so revolutionary. Um, and yeah, so those are the kinds of books that I keep. But you know, like that one fiction book that I got back in high school that I'm never going to read again. Well, it doesn't serve me anymore. I'm grateful for having had it, but it doesn't serve me anymore. And so <clears throat> that's kind of how it works. Then the third phase, and this was like probably the most arduous, shitty phase, and I didn't really enjoy it because I am just really not a papers kind of person. So the third phase is basically papers. So that's anything from like pay stubs to credit card statements to instruction manuals to basically anything that generates papers, letters that you got for whatever, you know, like the freaking Canadian census or something. And you just got to go through them and shred basically everything that no longer serves you. And I think this part, again, one of the biggest lessons that I learned from the book is that a lot of the time we're all we're always scared that we need to like hold on to documents because it's like, oh, I have to hold on to this instruction manual of a toaster that I got, you know, five years ago, because just in case, for whatever reason, the toaster stops working and I need to turn to page 94 to get like you know, the toaster instructions, um, it's never going to happen. Like realistically, whatever, I'm not a psychic, but like chances are it's not going to happen. And if it does, you have that one random YouTuber that their channel is to fix toasters and it's there to help you with that random model of that toaster that you got back in the day and will tell you how to fix it. But all of those instruction manuals just generate so much clutter and does it really spark joy for you in the moment to have a million instruction manuals i don't think so and just 
As a graphic designer, I find that instruction manuals are probably the most boring and terribly designed documents there ever was. I, I literally want to cry every time I open one. Um, so, um, by the way, I'm a little sick, just saying, so don't don't mind the, the nasal potential kind of like sound that's coming out of my throat uh, and my nose. But um, yeah, I'm a little sick. But so that's it. Um, this whole kind of like accumulating papers, like even credit card statements, that kind of stuff. Like everything is so digitized today that your chances of having to keep that credit card statement of like eight years ago, you probably won't need it. Don't hold me to that, but chances are you probably won't need it. <laughs> um, and chances are your bank is going to have it somewhere. Um, and so what that does is it just literally accumulates, accumulates. And I think that this was the hardest part for me. This was the part that took the longest because I had to sit there and go through every single document that I had accumulated. Um, and I think by the end I had shredded about 10 bags, 10 full recycling bags of papers. It was insane. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of nuts and it was definitely the longest and most boring part. Um, but yeah, so that that's phase three papers. Uh, phase four is like probably the, it, it's kind of like um, miscellaneous. So it's basically these, a bunch of categories of a, a bunch of different stuff. So it's like kitchen supplies, jewelry, um, cosmetics, um, you know, like all of these kind of categories like DVDs, uh, digital stuff. Um, and you kind of, there's no real order of, as to which one you should start first, but they're all within this category of just like, take again, all of the, the belongings in that specific category, put them in a section and go through it one by one. And um, at this point, after papers, I was just so like ready to like finish this cleaning marathon that it actually wasn't that difficult to continue on to phase four. And phase four, by phase four, I had become literally addicted to the process of getting rid of stuff because I had already, just in the process, started to notice how how much lighter I felt and how much better I felt by getting rid of my stuff, um, which is something that I never would have thought that getting rid of my stuff would actually improve my mental health, but it did. And um, so by phase four, I had literally, I'm like, okay, today is the jewelry day. Take my jewelry box, put all my stuff in. By the end of the day, I had done it. Then it was like DVDs, take my office stuff, put everything on the, on the kitchen table, go through it, da, 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 get rid of everything. And it was, I think I had managed to like go through phase four, probably in about two weeks. Um, I think that the papers had taken me about a month and in the book, she actually says that you have to do it in like one shot, like don't make your cleaning marathon longer. I think she said not longer than six months and like six months is stretching it. Um, because she says you do it once one big cleaning marathon and after that you'll never have to declutter again. Um, and I'll talk about this because you will have to declutter again and I'll talk about this in a little bit. Um, but your basically your mindset is going to change and you just won't accumulate things the same way that you used to. Um, so yeah, that is phase four. Phase five, this was probably to me uh, the most fun and the most um, emotionally rewarding phase. And this was mementos. So this was anything that was like souvenirs, 
important items that people have given you, uh, things that you've accumulated that just have a lot of emotional significance. And anyone who knows me um, knows that I keep a bunch of things from specific events, whether that's movie tickets, whether that's festival tickets, uh, plane tickets. I have a collection of keychains from every single place that I visited. I have keychains that people have given me from every place they've visited and I just accumulate that. And um, I have these like weird um, kind of like things that I've just kept, you know, it could be like a, a guitar strap from someone who had played music. Um, all of these kinds of things, you know, I'm, I'm a huge, huge, like, I keep a lot of, of almost, um, uh, how can I say this? I keep souvenirs from that you wouldn't necessarily find at a store. You know what I'm saying? Like it's things that you would probably just want to throw away like movie tickets. Why would you keep movie tickets? But I'm like, Oh, I went to a movie with this specific person and it meant a lot to me. And I had a great time when I went to go see a movie with that person. I kept a keychain from, you know, when I went to Paris, because when I went to Paris, it was an extremely special moment for me. And that keychain is a representation of that special moment for me. Um, and so that's what I keep. If you actually look in my bedroom right now, um, that Tootsie Roll um, bank thing is something that my dad had gone to me when I think I was like seven or eight years old for Halloween. And it was just a little like piggy bank filled with Tootsie, Tootsie Rolls. And my mom had put like a label with my name Christina on it. And I mean, this thing is worth probably like 25 cents. But to me, like do not ever touch my Tootsie Roll bank ever. <laughs> like it means a lot to me. Then right next to that, there's a, a map of Paris. Um, and this map of Paris was in, it's a very, very old map of Paris. Um, I think it's like from probably... It's a very old map. I'm going to have to look at the date. Um, but this was actually in my grandmother's uh, Paris uh, tourist book when she used to live back in Europe. Um, and it's a very old book. And there's just a bunch of like folded maps. And I, I found this one so beautiful. And I took it and I just put it in a frame. And like it became home decor. And then right next to it is um, this MailChimp um, like toy that I, that I had gotten... Uh, when I worked back as a graphic designer in an office with another one of my colleagues, which I love, who always used MailChimp. She had one MailChimp and I had another MailChimp. And, you know, it's there and it means a lot to me. And then just, I'm also obsessed with taking Polaroids of, uh, of people. And so you have three Polaroids, like my dog, my mom, and my brother. Um, and that's like all of the decor that you will find in my house are all things that I have used, that have accumulated from things from things that from events and all that and um I love it and it all it also this phase really made me discover my passion for that I, like a huge huge passion for that um of just keeping mementos and keeping souvenirs and turning them into something like a lot of people will take plane tickets and throw them out and I just make a frame up with a bunch of plane tickets and then it becomes a decoration you know what I'm saying um and so in this phase I had so much fun because I had like, so she was talking about like photos and how to, you know, keep and give away photos because mementos is also the hardest thing because to, to declutter mementos is basically giving away stuff that doesn't serve you. And that's kind of hard when 
you know, these are like souvenirs. These are things that people have given you. Um, and But for me, I think I was so advanced at this point that it was very easy for me to give things away with gratitude. But the mementos I did keep, so like the photos I did keep, I just put them all into albums. I put everything into albums. And just that alone, this project was just so emotionally rewarding to like, you know, I would I would spend some time in my mom's basement and I would bring like, okay, here's a stack of photos. Like, mom, where was this from? How old was I when I when I was doing this? Where were we? What vacation were we doing? Um, and putting those into albums. And it's like looking at my dad's old pictures and my family's old pictures, uh, pictures with my friends, pictures when I had gone to Europe and putting all of them into albums. And I bought these beautiful albums and it became you know this kind of like dusty old box of photos became something else it, it, it entered a new life cycle um and then after that you know my keychains i hung them all up all of my travel keychains that i had just accumulated that had just kind of gathered dust i just put them all up i had taken so i i have this kind of box in my house where every time i go through this kind of like event or whatever and i'm like oh i I kept this receipt of like a drink that I had with this really cool person and I love it and I'm going to keep it forever because it's a good reminder of that. I just throw it in the box, right? And I just throw it in the box, throw it in the box, throw it in the box. And so like for this year, for example, I need to go through that box and be like, okay, what am I going to keep? What am I going to give away? And sometimes you just open this box and you're like, oh my God, I had gone to this festival and I had gone to that. And, um, and so I had, I kind of created these frames with like plane tickets. I created frames with like, uh, this old map of of the um, the London tube because like London was one of my favorite places that I visited in Europe, and anyway, my house became this representation of everything that I was passionate about, everything that I loved, and I think that this when when she says like the life changing art of tidying up, I didn't know that it would be life changing, but it. It really was because when I was done this cleaning marathon, I remember I just looked into my house and I'm like, I am literally surrounded by things that I love. Everything in my house are things that I love. I don't feel this weight of like, I have to look at my past and I have to kind of like live in this old life of when I used to be happy when I had this thing or it's like, oh, I wish I was this person. So I'm, I'm keeping this thing so that when I become this person, I'm going to have it, you know, I didn't have any of that anymore. I was just surrounded by things that I loved in the moment. And that is so powerful. And that's the kind of, um, that's the kind of philosophy and mindset that I want to share with you. And I swear I could talk about this forever. Um, so that was the physical belongings. Um, and that's what really kind of inspired me to start minimalism, to declutter everything. But it went even beyond uh, like physical belongings. So when I started to see what kind of amazing impact this has had on me, uh, just kind of this feeling of like being lighter in almost everything that I did, like just coming home and feeling like as if I was physically lighter, my apartment was physically lighter. I was like, this is amazing. I'm like, how can I apply this to the rest of my life? The first thing that I noticed was that my consumer habits had changed drastically. Um, I just stopped buying stuff. <laughs> like I literally just stopped buying stuff. And it's funny because uh, as part of the self-development phase that I had in my life, I, I was taking all sorts of quizzes, like what kind of personality you are. I'm an ENFP, by the way, for whoever cares. I'm an ENFP, but um, personality test. I took the love languages test. And 
it ended up that my gift giving was literally the lowest on the scale. Like I think like 3% of my love languages. So I don't necessarily feel um, a lot of love when people give me gifts. I don't feel like I'm loving somebody else necessarily by giving them a lot of gifts. Uh, words, words of affirmation for me is the strongest thing. So like some me telling somebody else like, hey, like, you're freaking amazing at this thing. And like, you're, you're just like, you're bomb, you know, or like someone telling me like, Hey, like you're good at this and you've succeeded in that. Like that to me is huge compared to like gifts. Like gifts don't really have an emotional significance for me unless it's something that's like really thought out. Like I remember I was on a dating app once and I literally wrote (laughs) on the dating app. I'm like, um, I would much rather that you get me like a broken cup from a vintage store with something that you know that I love on the cup and it's broken and it's probably gonna like pour liquid out, I don't care, than getting me 12 roses. Like, like that's another thing, like flowers, I just can't deal with it. Like I, I cannot. Plants, it's okay, but flowers that we literally cultivate to then put into a a vase to then die in like 10 days. I just can't stand the idea of that. Anyway, I'm not judging. All is to say that gift giving is not a huge, um, a huge thing for me. And like I said, it really did change my consumer habits. I just stopped buying crap. Like I stopped buying crap. And, and whenever I did decide to buy something, I scavenged around my entire house to make sure that I didn't already have it or I didn't have something that could do the job as well. And if I did buy something, chances are I'm going to go buy it at a thrift shop because I am a huge believer that objects have life cycles, you know, and we live in a we live in a world today where climate change is a very real threat and we are producing things constantly every single day as if it's not. Um, and it is. And so if I am going to buy something, like I said, I have to do like I almost take three days. I'm like, do I need this thing? Um, and then if I do thrift shop. Can I find it at a thrift shop? If I can't find it at a thrift shop, then I'll go in and I'll buy it. And I mean, you know, minimalism is really, like I said, it's not a final destination. Everybody has their own way of being a minimalist. You know, I'm just, it just so happens that I'm a huge fan of thrifting and I'm a huge fan of like keeping things that already, that I already own and then turning them into something else. But you know, you could be like a a huge sports enthusiast where it's like, where you invest your money is like, I don't know, like some really nice football jerseys, you know, like that could be something that that's your minimalist mindset. But um, all is to say is that you just keep the things that matter to you in the moment. Um, so um, that's really like how it how it changed kind of like my consumer habits. Um, and then it went so far as to even looking at my life and how I spend my time. Um, Cause you need to almost like minimalism can be extended to how you spend your time. Like, like it's not a physical thing, but time is valuable and you only have one life and your clock is always ticking. Like, you know, you're always like as sad, as pessimistic as it is to say, like you're always kind of approaching death, right? Like that's kind of what's happening. So the way that you spend your time matters. Um, and I, this is funny because I'm actually reading right now, uh, the four hour work week, which by the way, I got at the library. Um, and this is a great like way of kind of talking about how to use your time and how to be minimalist in your time. And, uh, Tim Ferriss basically has this philosophy that 
uh, well, a philosophy that I think that he got from other people. And just this, anyway, there's this one random person who ended up calculating that 20% of the work generates 80% of the results. And it's always like that. And then 80% of the work generates 20% of the results. And it, it basically goes back and forth like that. And so how you choose your time, like who you spend your time with, what you do with your time, you got to be aware of that. What makes you happy in the moment? And it's like, I'm not going to sit there and say like, oh, we don't need money to survive. And we, you know, we do. Absolutely, we do. But, you know, living constantly for your retirement and just working, 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 working 80 hour weeks, 90 hour weeks on something that you don't actually enjoy doing. Um, and, and then just basically working like crazy until you're 65. And then at 65, you just wake up and you're bored out of your mind because you just worked all of your life. Now you have a ton of money, but like, you don't even know what to do with your life. Um, and so I think that I have been, at least with work, I have been, uh, very blessed because I have been able to do what I love for years now. Um, I like, I love design and I like running a business is literally like my dream. I couldn't have asked for anything more than that. Um, and so, but at the same time, I, I did also have this very like hustle mentality where it's like, I work and I work and I work and I work and what's like the next thing that I need to do instead of just like, what actually makes me happy? like in the moment. And that's kind of why I started this podcast because starting a podcast was like one of my dreams. And I, I, I love that I use up a few hours of my week every week to record a podcast episode like that. I am so happy that I choose to spend time on that. Um, it can also extend to your relationships. Are you surrounded by people that bring you down? Are you surrounded by people that make your life more toxic? Um, and you're doing it again, similar to the to the clothes and to the belongings. It's like, are you doing it because you feel guilty? You know, are you still hanging out with these people because you feel guilty? Um, and, and so you really have to look at every single thing in your life and ask yourself, like, is this person, is this thing sparking joy for me in this very moment? How you spend your money, you know, like some people will be like, this is how you should spend your money. You know, like you should do this and then step two, you should do that. And then step three, you should do that. And then by the time that you're 65, you know, you'll be able to do this and then and then. great, cool. Maybe that's what you want to do. Maybe that's what's going to make you happy. But what makes me happy is probably different. For example, um, I love to travel. Like that is probably the only thing in my life that I will continuously invest to do because uh, traveling makes me like it really makes me grow as a person. It makes me understand different cultures. It makes me really kind of just grow like I said, just grow as a person. That's what it does for me. Um, and so, you know, I I invest in traveling and I'll, I'm always gonna invest in traveling. It will, it will differ for every single person, right? That's why minimalism will differ for every single person. But you have to ask yourself, what sparks joy for you in the moment? Um, and so it really just applies to everything um, in your life and so, all is to say minimalism um, and doing less and keeping the things that matter is transformative. It's transformative because of the visual fatigue that you get when you accumulate a bunch of crap and you just feel like you're drowning in stuff. It provides clarity 
in your life to actually focus on the things that matter. When you when you declutter your house, it's such a big project that when you're done, you're like, what's next? What, what like now I know what matters to me in my house, so what's next? How do I know what matters to me in my life, right? Um, and so it's a continuous process. And I think that, you know, uh, Marie Kondo says, oh, you'll never have to declutter again. You will have to declutter again because we're human beings at the end of the day. And it's like, we're always going to end up kind of like, sometimes we're busy and we accumulate stuff and we don't really have time to like sit there and really ask ourselves if it sparks joy. So don't go into it thinking that, you know, you have to do it a specific way. It has to be perfect. You know, don't become a perfectionist about it. Um, but you know, I think at least for me, when I was going through this really shitty period, it was like, I would say probably 50% of me feeling better had to do with me decluttering. Um, and people like will, will talk to me about it. Like they'll come into my house and they'll be like, wow, like it's so minimalist in here. Like there's just not a lot of stuff. And I'm just like, oh, like I see this thing that I could get rid of. And I see that thing that I could rid of because it's just endless. Like you, you always have to ask yourself in the moment, is it serving me, you know, and your life changes. Um, and so anyway, um, if you have any questions about minimalism, how to get started, uh, go to the library, pick this book up or listen to the audiobook, whatever you want to do. Um, I, you know, Mary Kondo is not sponsoring me right now. If you're listening, Mary Kondo, I love you and I will forever even if you don't sponsor me, I will forever talk about your book because that's how life-changing it was. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, go pick up a book in the library. Go pick up the book at the library, read it. And um, I would love to know what your experience is. And again, this is the four-hour work week by, by Tim Ferriss, which is basically all about um, condensing. All, like basically he's arguing that everything that actually needs to be done could be done within four hours. And then you could have the rest of that time to actually do what you enjoy. Um, and I, you know, I actually agree with it. I'm not like, I think I'm about a quarter in, but it does, you know, it does really work into this kind of like minimalist approach to life. Um, and yeah, and that is it for me for today. If you can um, like, share, and subscribe to the podcast, you can watch me on YouTube at Say Your Thing. You can follow me on Instagram at Say Your Thing. I'm just constantly saying a bunch of things every week. <laughs> um, I have a really exciting lineup of episodes coming up. So the way that I see that this podcast is going to go is I'm probably going to be publishing seasons. So right now we're in season one um, and a lot of exciting stuff coming up. And then I'm going to take a little break Then we're going to publish season two, season three, season four, and so on and so forth. Um, but I would love to know um, some other things that you guys want me to talk about. I talk a lot, clearly. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I definitely want to know... Um, what you guys think about minimalism has it changed your life are you just starting on your journey let me know and uh, i will see you guys next week all right see ya